Hello, this is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Q1370 WQLL. Catholic Baltimore is a weekly radio program hosted by the Archdiocese of Baltimore, airing each Sunday following the broadcast of the Radio Mass of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic radio partners for sharing with us some of the contents in this program and for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to the Archdiocese of Baltimore every Sunday. This is Catholic Baltimore. I'm Bob Krebs. Katie McKenna has written an inspirational new book titled How to Get Run Over by a Truck. And she's with us today from her home in New York City. Katie McKenna, welcome to Catholic Baltimore. Thank you so much for having me, Bob. I really appreciate it. Katie, we're going to be talking about your memoir that uh, is is fairly new, I believe. It's called How to Get Run Over by a Truck, which is an interesting title. And it (laughs) it actually happened to you. You were run over by a truck. But before we get into that, tell us a little bit about yourself, if you would, please. Yes, um, I live in Brooklyn, New York, and I am a professional fundraiser as well as a stand-up comedian. And I have also been uh, writing this. I'm a writer. I also write a articles, and I also write a blog called Small Bites and Little Victories. As I said, your memoir, it's titled How to Get Run Over by a Truck. How in the world yes. did you get run over by a truck? Oh, my goodness, Bob. Well... It was a beautiful Tuesday morning in October, and I had gotten up early before my job to go for a bike ride, which is what I would either do a 10-mile bike ride or I'd do a five-mile run in the mornings before work. Mm-hmm. And I'd gone out on this gorgeous ride. It, had been, it was that wonderful time in early October. You know, it just starts to be fall, and the leaves are starting to change, and it was crisp and beautiful, and the sun was just starting to rise over these low buildings in Williamsburg in Brooklyn where I lived. And I really wanted to see that sunrise, and I thought it was just going to be so special and so magical. And I went to this light and where I was going to make the right turn to watch the sunrise, and there was a truck on my left, and I waved to him, and I said, you know, I'm going to be making this right. There was a car behind me, and I waved to say that I was going to be making the right And the car behind me saw me, but unfortunately the truck didn't. So the truck didn't have its indicator on, so I assumed that it was going straight. Mm. But instead, it actually turned right. So I had made this wide right turn. And as I was turning, unfortunately the truck was also turning, but still didn't see me. So I missed the cab of the truck, but I was run over by the back eight wheels Mm. of Mm. the truck itself. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Yeah. How... Can you even explain how that must have felt? Can you put that into oh, words? Oh, gosh. Yes. I, I, I'll do my best. I mean, that's the good thing about writing it, I guess, it allows that. But what had happened, it was um, it was just so incredibly terrifying. And in the moments, the, things that are, the thing that's fascinating is that in the first few moments, you don't feel any pain. Mm. You hear, I heard my bones cracking, and I saw and felt pressure. But my body didn't react with pain until, like, I'd say 15 or 20 seconds later. And it was as if there were really races of electric, like, shocks of pain, sort of relatively similar to, you know, when you drop something on your foot and there's that feeling that, that you're like, oh, my gosh, ow, ow, ow. Mm. It was like that, but it didn't dull. It mm. just continued to race up and down my body. And you didn't lose and consciousness. No, I didn't, which was, you know, a blessing and a curse, of course. In a way, I was, it was a blessing because I was able to communicate with the people who were caring for me. Mm. I remembered my parents' phone number, 
remembered what my address was. I knew my social security number. I was also able to, in a moment that is just incredible, that even blows me away. And if it wasn't me, I'd be like, no way. I knew that I had patients' rights, and I was really adamant about going to the best possible trauma hospital Mm. because the hospital that was closest to my apartment wasn't that great. So I told them, I said to the paramedics, I was like, you need to take me to the best trauma hospital. And they're like, in their minds, of course, they're like, you're going to die because it's too far away. And I said, I don't want close. I want good. Mm. So that was the great thing about being conscious. The bad thing is, is that, you know, it's something that, that the memory of that pain and the terror that it really does still instill to me this day, nine years later, is so deeply rooted inside of my heart and in my soul. Yeah. You were, you were terribly injured. Yes, I was. Um, I broke all of my ribs. I punctured my lung. I fractured my pelvis in five places. Mm. I tore up um, some internal organs, most specifically my bladder. And, um, yeah, it was, it was definitely a situation that I didn't think I would get out of alive, yeah. without a doubt. There was a moment where I was laying there, and I was like, nobody gets run over by a truck and lives. That just doesn't happen. You have a rationale of being like, is it even, is it a good idea for me to be hopeful? Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it was it was a very very traumatic experience. Do do um, did your life pass before your eyes? I mean, you hear things like like that. Yeah, uh, that's such a great question. It actually didn't pass before my eyes. The only thing that I could think of, I was I did a lot of praying, obviously, and. There were some moments where I did remember moments where I was afraid that I had sinned, you know, like the the idea of sometimes like copying somebody else's homework or not being as nice as I could have been yeah. to um, to a boy who had a crush on me in elementary school. And there wasn't any, like, I didn't have a flashback of all of the memories of my life, but I did have this moment as they were putting the oxygen mask on me to, to go into surgery where I had this feeling of I just wanted more. Mm-hmm. You know, like that moment when you've eaten like a delicious meal, but you know that you just like you so desperately and deeply want more. Yeah, that was how it felt. Yeah. You, it was a miracle that you survived. Oh, Bob, it was absolutely a miracle. Yeah. It was abs- there is no doubt in my mind yeah. that it was a miracle. The accident happened on October second, yeah. which is the patron saint day of the guardian angel. Yeah. And I am absolutely sure that my angels were just holding fast to me and saved my life. Katie, how did your Catholic faith help you get through this event? And I'm sure the, the healing and rehab process was long and difficult. Did your, did your faith help you through that as well? Bob, it was one of the most important parts of my entire experience was my faith. That was what I did the entire the entire time that I was on the ground and when I was in the ambulance, all that I did was say Hail Marys and Our Fathers. There was also this really incredible thing that happened, which was as I was lying on the ground, on the gravel, there was a young woman who came out, the woman who was in the Mazda behind the car behind me. Mm -hmm. She had called the police and she called my parents and she was wonderful. And then out of nowhere, a man came out of his car he pulled over, and then he came out of his car, and I remember he was wearing a Yankees hat, a Madras shirt, and khaki cargo shorts. And he came over to where I was lying on the ground, and he said, listen to me. 
I'm a pastor. I have spoken to God, and you're not going to die today. And then without knowing what my faith was, he held my hand, and he held the hand of this, this woman, Giselle, and we said, the Our Father. And it was the most at peace that I felt. I was like, this person is telling me that God is going to save me. Hmm. And I continued to hold on to that hope from this person who was the only person who believed that I would make it. Every other person, the EMTs, the doctors, they said I was probably not going to live. As time went on, I leaned very heavily on my faith mm-hmm. to help me to get through those challenging times of just asking for God to give me strength, to give me hope, to help me to be a better person, to remember to be kind, to think of others, although I was in a bad place, and to be grateful. I think that that is such a beautiful part of our faith that sometimes I don't, I did not focus on as much before this had happened. Mm-hmm. But this overwhelming feeling of gratitude was such a big part of my healing. It was so special and such an extreme blessing and feels like the greatest gift that I was given through by having this accident happen. What do you want your readers to take away uh, from, from this book? I think that all of us have had a feeling in our lives where we feel like we've been run over by a truck. Hmm. You know, that there is one trauma in our lives that we feel like takes our entire vertical world and just turns it horizontal. And in those moments, we have a choice. We can either lay down and say, there's nothing I can do to fix it. There's no way this is going to get better. Or we can fight and work to try to make our lives better and happier degree by degree. What I want for readers to take away from this is that even in hopeless situations, even when you're told no, even when you feel broken, there's still hope if you're willing to fight. You can get a copy of Katie McKenna's inspirational new book, How to Get Run Over by a Truck, at Amazon.com or your favorite chain or independent bookstore. Katie, do you have a website? I I update my website with events and readings and talks that I'm giving, and that's at uh, www.kdcmckenna.com. Katie McKenna, it's been a real delight uh, talking to you today. You know, once again, thanks so much for your time. Thank you. It was a real delight. I really appreciate it. For Catholic Baltimore, I'm Bob Krebs. Catholic News from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. By now, the June print issue of the Catholic Review has hit homes, so let's take a look inside. The Archdiocese of Baltimore's pastorate planning process is well underway, and a special B section explains where we are in that process. At this point, the pastorates, or groups of parishes partnering to more effectively promote missionary discipleship, have been finalized. A series of maps and charts in the B section notes which parishes will be working together. The pastorates will form and orientate to their missions over two-year periods, starting in either 2018, 2019, or 2020, depending on whether they are assigned to the first, second, or third phase. There are also nine pastorates that will form in a pilot phase beginning this year. As the process unfolds, there are four points to keep in mind. First, the focus of it all is on conversion, individual conversion, parish conversion, and conversion of the whole archdiocese. Second, the goal is to create a stable environment for that conversion to occur. 
The process is meant to lead to long-term predictability and stability so the work of disciple-making can be the focus. Third, the effort will be undertaken by every parish in the Archdiocese. And fourth, any changes made will be gradual and discerned by the pastorates themselves. It's a long process, and the B section in the Catholic Review's June edition gives a solid overview that includes steps individual parishioners can take right now to prepare for it. As the process unfolds, the Catholic Review will continue to keep you up to date and informed. From the newsroom of the Catholic Review, this is Eric Zygmunt. Do you want to know more about what's going on in the church and the world than you can get from your daily newspaper or local TV? Read the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the church full-time, The Catholic Review. Pick up the print magazine monthly at your parish or have The Catholic Review delivered to your home every month. You can get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to the Catholic Review e-newsletter for twice-a-week updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Find our app on Apple and Android and follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Wherever your faith takes you, Catholic Review Media is ready to inspire, teach, inform, and engage. Read it today in print and online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. The season of sacraments is nearly here. First Holy Communion, Confirmation, and Weddings. Visit the Baltimore Basilica, America's first cathedral, and stop by the gift shop for all of your gift needs. From beautiful frames to crucifixes and crosses, statues and one-of-a-kind rosaries, the Basilica gift shop has it all. Friendly, knowledgeable staff members can help you select the perfect gift. Also available, Baltimore's very own Mouth Party Caramels, locally designed hand-painted signs, and jewelry, plus gifts for Easter as well as an extensive line of St. Patrick's Day items sure to bring out the Irish and everyone. Visit the Basilica Gift Shop at 409 Cathedral Street in Baltimore or call 410-727-3565 for hours and directions. Free street parking available directly in front of the Basilica between 9.30 and 4 p.m. You are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Q1370 WQLL. This is Catholic Baltimore. I'm Bob Krebs. Paula Darcy is a best-selling author, speaker, and retreat leader. Her latest book, available from Franciscan Media, is titled Stars at Night, When Darkness Unfolds as Light. Paula Darcy, welcome to Catholic Baltimore. Thank you. Now, Paula, your book is inspiring people to overcome the tragedies in their life, and it springs from your own experience because you had to face life after your own tragedy when you were 27. Um, would you tell us a little bit about that, if you would, please? Yeah, and and it is in, to inspire people with their tragedies, but I think also just with the challenges that mm-hmm. life brings, mm-hmm. all of that. Mm-hmm. When I was 27, I was um, traveling with my husband, and my two-year-old daughter, I was pregnant, and we were struck by a drunk driver. It's the kind of thing you always hope you'll read about in the paper, and it won't be you, but it was us, and both my husband and my two-year-old daughter were killed. So those were very, very dark moments for me. I survived, saw myself in a hospital. 
I was three months pregnant. The pregnancy was intact, but every way in which I had understood life suddenly was completely changed, and I was left pretty disoriented and not even knowing what to hold on to or or where to look. Mm. So that was the darkness, and that was the challenge. And in the first part of the book, I tell that not so much in terms of the details, but in terms of internally and spiritually, um, what happened to me as I went pretty much inside and found in there a, a presence, you know, which I know today to be the presence of God, which somehow, even in the dark, was a light in mm. that place and was assuring me without words, but with just a knowing you can get through this. And that began, you know, the first honest, I think, search of my of my life, yeah. reaching out for that. It must take tremendous strength to overcome something like that. Um, how did you find that strength? And and what would you say to someone who, who might say to you, you know, I could never, ever overcome something uh, like that if I had to go through what you've gone through? I would say to them that I would have sworn that to be true also of me. Mm. And you don't know. And when you're in the moment of something like that happening, what becomes available to you is is the strength, you know, from like that Christ center within. It just became available. And I just began to understand that there is a love that exceeds even our circumstances, and that if I was holding firmly to that love, even though I had many questions and many things I didn't understand, that there could possibly be a way through. So you don't, you don't really do it yourself, mm. but you, you become so identified to that light um, from within, and it, it was a long process. It was a long process, a lot of tears and a lot of pain, and then just sitting yeah. in the presence of that light and asking for help. Is it just a matter of focusing on the light and not the darkness? I mean, that certainly was, you know, it was a huge part of it. Mm -hmm. um, where I placed my attention, as I look back today, many years later, I realized that that was very important and so it was a decision on your part on your part it was yeah. it was it was I want to get through this and I think part of that motivation was I was I was pregnant and so I was going to you know give birth and have another child and I knew I had to I had to find a you know in order to to do that but the pain was also real, and so it mm. had its it had its time. It's just that in that dark place, I also found that that light was with me. Mm. That was that was the news that the light was with you even in the dark. Didn't take it away. Didn't eliminate you know the pain of it, but stayed with me in it. And there kept being that that persistent understanding that that right then and there, I was looking at a small piece of a very large picture, mm. but that perhaps there was more. I just, in that moment, I couldn't see it, 
And so my prayers were so basic. It was like, God, if you're real, help me. Let me find you. And I became aware during that period that I never really had known God. I had known about God. Hmm. I had, you know, studied that. I had, you know, heard that, you know, at church and at Mass and all the prayers and stuff that you learn as a child growing up. But it was all once removed. And now I was right up against that being myself saying, then then help me because knowing about you isn't going to carry me through this. I have to actually know you. And of course, what I wanted, you know, at the time, I wanted to be like St. Paul, flash of light, suddenly you see. Um, But it came in very small ways over a very long period of time. You know, there would be someone would send me a booklet and in that booklet would be maybe one sentence that really struck me or I would meet people who themselves had been through great challenges and I would see that they had come through it and were smiling again and laughing again and I just thought if it's possible for one person then it's possible you know for any person but what you just said, you know, a minute ago was, was really key to it. It was where I was going to put my attention and whether or not I was going to hate everything because part of life had wounded me. And I, that was the choice that I made to find a way through to see what it was I was being given because the natural inclination was to see what had been taken away mm. and to stay with that. Mm. And I began to to look at something is being given to me even now. Mm. It's not the purpose I wanted. It's not what I chose. But but life, God is giving me a purpose right now. Can I see that? What has been uh, the reaction from your readers? Yeah, it's been really um, wonderful. A lot of people have written to me and said, I kept turning pages. I couldn't put it down. I read through so fast, and now I'm going back and I'm reading very slowly again, mm-hmm. which is um, really, it's a nice comment, you know, for, for an author because it said something compelled them and, and took them through. But I'm finding that people who read it are in all different walks of life and all different places in life, and everybody is finding in that kind of a template or, a, you know, a map that suggests to them, you know, here are the anchors that will really get you to a, a new way of seeing, and, and here are the, um, the things that will ground you. And we all need that mm-hmm. at all times of life. Yeah. It's, again, it's, it's whatever you're paying attention to actually becomes your lens. And that was a huge learning for me, that I was seeing in life pretty much what I was looking for, and if my if my lens was limited, then there were things all around me trying to help me, and I didn't see it. Yeah. So, surrender is a big word in in my life, and I think in the book, and it was the opening to what was actually being given, and the surrendering to that. Not really surrendering to the circumstance, but surrendering to the love of God that moves in every circumstance. So it was surrendering into the love, and people seem to be picking that up and finding that helpful. 
surrendering to the love of God that's in every circumstance. That's this yeah. word. That's words to live by. You know, no matter where you happen to be in, in life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, the uh, the book is titled "Stars at Night When Darkness Unfolds as Light." Paula Darcy is the author. It's from. Uh, it's available at franciscanmedia.org or. Uh, at uh, your online or Catholic bookstores. For Catholic Baltimore, I'm Bob Krebs. For 143 years, New Cathedral Cemetery has served the needs of the Catholic community of Baltimore and Central Maryland. New Cathedral is the only cemetery owned by the Archdiocese of Baltimore and is the final resting place for many religious orders and famous citizens. 125 acres of rolling hills, trees, and beautiful monuments, the cemetery is an oasis of peace and tranquility and is located off Edmondson Avenue just outside of Catonsville. New Cathedral is dedicated to the task of tending to the mortal remains of our dearly departed and has many more years of available space. If you are in need of a burial site, vault, monument, or marker, or just a respectful location to place your cremated loved ones, our counselors will help you through this process and make sure the wishes of you and your loved ones are honored. Visit us online at newcathedralcemetery.org, like us on Facebook at New Cathedral Cemetery Bonnie Bray, or call 410-566-7770. Life can be hard, and at times we feel overwhelmed and alone. When faced with problems, know that there is a group of Catholics who are part of the prayer ministry of the Archdiocese of Baltimore, waiting to lift you and your needs to God in prayer. This ministry is comprised of men and women, young and old, religious and lay, from every ethnic and cultural background. They pray as individuals and in groups, in homes and meeting spaces throughout Baltimore. Like you, they are people who have suffered the same hurts, fears, pains, sickness, loss, and everyday burdens. Learn more about this ministry by visiting our website at www.archbalt.org. If you are in need of prayer, send your prayer request to prayers at archbalt.org or by phone to 410-547-5517. Would you like to volunteer to be a part of the ministry? Prayer ministers are always needed. Please call or email our coordinator who would be happy to speak with you. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Baltimore. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May God bless us and keep us always in his love.